In our readings, I'd gotten into Luke chapter 12, and my intent was to just kind of breeze through the chapter. I don't think I'll get done with that. But uh, it's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of similar passages with slightly different flavoring, so to speak. But let's just dig in. So if you were to read the end of Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus is already mixing it up with the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, They've been after him, and he throws it back some in this chapter. He just says their yeast is hypocrisy. In other words, the thing that flavors their lives and essentially makes the loaf is hypocrisy. And the challenge for us is that being religious people, he's addressing a a religious segment of their society, people who are very disciplined in their religion, but something was messed up. And he puts his finger on it and says there's a hypocrisy about their lives. And so when we bring that back, there's an importance for us to say, okay, is this a part of me too? And one of the things that I look at, um, he, he, in the next couple verses, he makes a declaration. He says, what's private is going to be declared publicly. And so then you start sorting through things. And have you ever had the experience when you go up to someone and you introduce yourselves and they go, oh, I've heard so much about you. You know, and in a positive sense, that's, that's wonderful right? I already have a friend. And on, on the other side, if they just go, oh, <laughs> it, you know, some other things have been said. But that, that happens. And, and it, happens, um, it happens with parents and children. Sometimes you'll meet a child who's excited about seeing you. And sometimes you meet a child who's kind of, you know, and realizes that you might be an axe murderer. You know, you know, just, it depends on the parent's presentation. And uh, one of the things that uh, I, I, I'd even, some years ago, Sharon and I were walking through a thing where we were aware of someone talking about us in a negative way, but also we had to come to terms with that not all of our sharing was healthy sharing. You know, I believe that couples get the privilege of processing stuff together. But if you think this might be heard publicly, it also is going to temper what you say. You know, it's the kind of thing that, you know what, we've slipped over from processing into gossiping. We're trashing an individual that we would... We would love to say this publicly. We'd love to declare this. We just don't have the guts to do it, or it's definitely not right to do. But at least we're going to blow off a little steam right here. You know, and it, it, it's, it's still wrong. And so, you know, it's, it's coming back to him and say, in the moment, is this something that God is being honored by? You know, because that we're trying to figure things out. Or is this something that really is just trashing another individual and it has no true benefit? And if, if that's the case, then we're participating in a similar hypocrisy 
is what the Pharisees were. I will give you one warning, too. In regard to church life, if you have a desire for your children to love the community, so to speak, then I would suggest that you be very careful how you talk about it. Because there are times when you can be trashing a situation, but you don't necessarily go back and tell them, oh, I've worked that out, or we've changed, or we don't, you know, I was just, I was upset. But if, if you aren't going back and fixing that, then what are they left with? You know, and so, you know, there is a responsibility, so to speak, in that moment to say godly things or to keep your mouth shut until you figure out how to say godly things. But that's just a, a word to the wise. You know, in, in the big picture, you're saying, I really want them to love the community of God. I want them to love the fellowship of believers. And obviously, none of us is perfect, but how do we still embrace this togetherness, so to speak? And part of that is, in regard to transmitting that to our children, is to, to have a caution about what we say and just say, I, I have a bigger goal here than just being heard or just blowing off some steam in the moment. So just that said, let's, let's go on. He says, uh, don't fear those who can kill the body. After that, have nothing more they can do. Fear that the one who after has killed you is, can send you to hell. Um, a lot is said in, in our circles, of, you know, perfect love casts out all fear, so don't be afraid of anything. Um, I would say in regard to this passage, it's probably better to fine-tune your fear. You know, it's just like, you know, when you get an instrument and it's out of tune, it, it sounds wretched, but tune that thing up, and if you know how to play, it sounds better, okay? Uh, or a car, they used... Uh, older cars needed tuning more frequently than today, but it was a, a regular thing that, oh, yeah, I got her tuned up. You know, it ran much better. Well, in some ways, it's like just looking and saying, if I'm going to fear anything at all, it has to do with eternity. It's not going to be based on this short-term stuff that's here. And, and, you know, the truth is, as we step more and more into relationship with God, fear has less and less connector to us, so to speak, because we're caught up in the love of God and, and his investment into our lives. But it's still something that, in a sense, is tuned and saying, if I fear the really important thing in regard to eternity, there's not much that can truly overpower me in this life. Um, he goes from this passage of fear into this thing of God's care for us. He says, if sparrows are sold five for two pennies, well then, sure, and God cares about them, surely he cares about your life as well. You know, if, if God cares about birds that are next to worthless, you know, that, that you, anybody can afford them? Now, <laughs> the thought of eating those little things is a little different to me, but I'm assuming that was what was, it wasn't just for a lovely household addition, right? But 
even in that, God cares about the birds who's <laughs> anybody can afford. Um, tastes like chicken, you know. Um, and you know, he just says, if God cares about them, he cares about you as well. Know that. Don't forget it. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. And we're going, that is so much more information than I have at my disposal. That is so much more complex than any thought that I could have even about my situation. So much more intense. I mean, I, I wouldn't be, pretend to think. And if he knows that, surely he knows everything else about me. Everything. And yet, with that knowledge, the Bible's declaring not only does he know, he cares, and so he involves himself. You know, there's, to me, that's the hurdles. You know, does somebody even know how they can fix the situation? Do they care enough to fix it? And then are they actually going to do something? And in this, we're hearing that the Lord himself knows, and he cares, and he gets involved. It's incredible. So he goes on, and he continues in his teaching, and he goes, you know, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you in heaven. And so there's this very clear sense that our speech needs to have this declaration about God. And, you know, some, it's easy to, for us introverts, to write it off and just say, yeah, I'm not into that, uh, you know, declare this, you know, you won't catch me on a street corner doing this. But, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that it's seasoning our speech with this declaration that God's involved in this. You know, I'm thankful for what his provision and care. And so it comes up in our normal conversation and there's a giving of glory to God for his involvement in our lives. And every one of us has conversation. And so to me, it's like not just this shouted from the, the rooftops, because very few are going to do that. But that doesn't excuse the rest of us. Really, the participation is in things like our posts, right? Maybe a, a fair declaration is, what was the last time I posted something that honored God? You know, we're, we're, we're sending out all kinds of pictures and everything else, but our, can it be known that we're even a Christian from, from what we're doing that way? You know, in a sense, that's a public declaration, right? And it's an honoring of the Lord through that process. Um, another segment he steps into and says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Um, the context of this doesn't come out quite the same as in some other passages, but one of the things that had been taking place is that the Pharisees and teachers of the law had been declaring, 
Yeah, he does miracles. It's because he's, he's Satan's child. You know, he, he does this through Satan. And if you were to, to go back then and look at this and say, if we're declaring that the very work of God is done through Satan, how do we turn and actually acknowledge the work of God as God's? If, if you can't acknowledge what God is doing and you've cut that off and declared it satanic, what, how are you going to possibly hear and respond and find the peace of God and forgiveness that's necessary for your life? So I guess, you know, as, as a kid, I'd, did I step over the line this time? And, you know, have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Because, you know, the, particularly for kids, it's like, well, I definitely have sinned again, and I'm not sure, and, you know, you know I'm going to pay a price at home, but is, is this the big one before God? And, and I used to kind of walk through that because I was not living perfect as a child, and regularly, there was this, have I, <laughs> you know, still don't, <laughs> thanks, love. <laughs> but it was like, okay, is this, you know, have I exceeded the limit here? And there was a measure of peace in a Sunday school class one day and having a teacher say, you know, I think it's deeper than that. You refuse the voice of God, how are you possibly going to respond to him later? You declare to Satan, how can you possibly acknowledge this as God? In a sense, you are shutting the door on the Holy Spirit, and, and you, you're shutting the door to the voice of God in your life. And so he just says, that, how, you deny God, how, 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 do you, how can that be embraced? At least that's the, that's the piece I have with it. And then he gives a, a, a very positive thing. He says, when you get hauled in front of leaders and accused and asked, what are you doing and why? Again, it's like Kurt was saying, this prophecy of saying, yeah, you're going to have some difficulty in this life and there are going to be some that don't, get what you are doing or don't want a, you to do what you're doing. But he says, know that the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need. And, and even in the power of that to me is that it's like in the moment that you need it, it's there. Which is amazing because, you know, you can have this general sense of God in heaven has forgiven our sin but really, he's making a declaration about the Holy Spirit's involvement on a daily basis, right? That when you step into the setting that you're in and you're having to come up with an answer, he's saying that there will be an answer for you. And so I'd encourage you in daily conversation, when you're talking with saints and sinners, there ought to be a, something inside going on in between the phrases, so to speak, that says, God, what do you want me to say? And how do you want this said? And what should I be thinking of in this moment? Because there's an opportunity for us to hear that way and to have the answers that we need by the Holy Spirit to, to speak words of life 
in their appropriate time and place. This is a beautiful understanding to just come to terms with and just say, he will give me what I need. Sometimes you get out of a conversation and you say, I wish I'd have said that. Well, sometimes it's because you haven't asked for an answer, and sometimes it's because you really didn't need to be saying that then. Or he's setting you up for the next conversation, and you're walking through that ready for next time. All of those are positive things. But I assume that's how the Holy Spirit works and makes his will known in us, in his declarations. The next story. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother, divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? Wait a minute. I thought this was the judge of the ages. Who made me a judge here? Good question. Jesus, in this moment, is not getting caught up in temporal justice. He's about something bigger in regard to the eternal. And it's like, it'd be like a Supreme Court justice going home and there's two kids squabbling next door and running over and saying, fix this for me. He's going, go talk to your parents (laughs) or just deal with it yourselves. But in, in some ways, it's that, you know, even regarding an inheritance, he's saying, This isn't that big a deal. This is temporal. And his mission is taking care of the eternal. He's preparing for the cross. And he's walking according to what the Father has called him to. And he's not getting caught up in the persnickiness of each day. If Jesus is on that same line, maybe we tend to spend a lot of extra time trying to fix things that don't necessarily require our fixing. You know, where the temporal is right in front of us, and we're going, oh, wait a minute, I have an answer here. Who cares, really, in light of eternity? Just, you know, something to think about. He says, take care, be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. So again, he's talking in this setting to the, the man who's asking for his inheritance, but he's declaring what you have is not about the abundance of this day. That's a message for this country, right? That's a message for Western civilization that's wealthy. That's a message for us that spend a lot of energy trying to get. You know, as we walk through this, you know, he's getting get into things like, well, if you've got food and clothes, you've got enough. And we're going... Yes, that's taken care of, but I'm worried about the house and the car and the next level things, right? He's going to the very core things and saying, well, I I give you enough. But even a sign of our preoccupation is, yeah, but the house really needs painting, you know? And and I need to redo the, the lamps or the... Need to fix the washer. So proud of myself. I had a Uper fix this week. My kids will be embarrassed for me even to tell it. 
So that's why I say it. <laughs> so the, the door blew off our washer or the latch, and I realized that all I have to do is tie a rope around it. <laughs> It'll tape here and there, and we're good to go. <laughs> well, until the next sale, but <laughs> I, was, I was very proud. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick, but <laughs> that's, that's who you got. <laughs> anyway. Um, Jesus tells a parable of a rich man who uh, has an abundant harvest, things are going well, and he says, I'll just build bigger buildings and we'll save all of this. Savings is the kind of the key. You know, and he goes, you know, I'll be able to, to relax, I'll be able to eat and drink and just have, enjoy life. You know, and if, if that isn't a picture of retirement, I don't know what is. You know, our goal, you know, get enough saved, get things set, and just, you know, you've earned it, that relaxation and enjoyment. And really what, you know, God says, well, you don't know that you're going to live to enjoy that one. But he makes this declaration, uh, everyone who lays up treasure for himself, it says, so it is with one who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich toward God. So he's, he's not saying, it's, this is not saying, do not save. But it's saying, your priority must be about being rich toward God. And so that at every season along the way, there is this recognition and declaration of God, how do you want this money spent? And do I set some aside or do I take that and invest it here? What, what's the right thing in this? The goal is not, as we've been going the last few weeks, the goal is not temporal satisfaction in the moment. The final goal of our lives is not to be able to relax and take it easy and enjoy. The final goal is the, <laughs> the relaxation, so to speak, or the, the enjoyment of the eternal with the Father. And so all of life must be pointed that way, and in regard to possessions and things and the accumulation, that still has to line up with what the Father has for us. And so, again, there's that question of what does the investment need to be now? I need to thank Michael for messing up my life and taking me to Malawi uh, because there's a constant challenge in my life at this point of do I save or invest in this or should I be sending it there? You know, and, and because I've developed some relationships and, you know, there's an awareness that I live a significantly better lifestyle than my friends. And the question is, how do I keep this rolling and what do I do you know but that in a sense each of us has to walk through that and whether it's Malawi or something else doesn't really matter it's just we have to be about saying God how do you want this done and help me to see with eyes for the eternal enough that I'm not just about gathering to myself you know it's astounding to me how storage units keep getting built 
in, in our country and in our, in our setting. You know, and it's like, it's not that you can't have a storage unit, but it, what does that say about us as a people? That, you know, I, I won't be using this and probably never will, but who knows? I'll just set it aside. And yet, you know, there's that, that I, I still, I need more room so that I can fill what I have again. You know, it, it, there's something twisted in all of that, and yet, are we really honest enough with ourselves to address it? I don't have a storage unit. I have sheds on my land. <laughs> you pray for me, I'll pray for you. How's that? The flip side of this he says, don't be anxious about what you'll eat or, or your body, what you put on. Life's more than food and the body, more than clothing. And then he gives the illustration of the ravens. And he says, they don't sow or reap. They don't work for it. They, they don't even work for it. And yet God provides for them. I, I understand the whole thing of a work ethic, but bottom line, you have to understand it's not your hard work that's going to see you through life. Do I encourage you to work hard? Absolutely. But it is not the answer in light of eternity. It is not going to make the significant difference, so to speak. And sometimes we get so bound by what we're doing and we, we don't ever step back enough to even look. And yet he's going, the birds, I take care of them too. And then he goes on and, and gives the illustration of the, the lily. And, you know, truthfully, those flowers are prettier than any clothes we, we get. And he's going, they only last for a season. They're going to be burned. They're going to be, they don't even... Their window of life is so small compared to yours. And yet, he dresses them beautifully. He said, I got you covered. I'll take care of you. He says, don't seek what you eat and drink or be worried. He says, all the nations of the world seek after these things. He says, this is worldwide humanity. This is the challenge of, of humanity worldwide. They get caught up in the temporal, and he says, I want you to look larger than that. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and a treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think I'm going to stop there. Lord, we thank you for speaking life to us. We thank you that you emphasize the eternal above the temporal. Now, Lord, we ask that you would help us to apply that to our lives. Help us not to walk in hypocrisy, 
Help us not to walk in self-delusion, but help us to earnestly look at these things and listen for your voice. Amen. I would encourage you to, in a sense, break this into bite-sized chunks. In other words, like when Kurt was talking about forgiveness, if God brought a specific name to mind, it's the right time for you to process that and to release that person again, maybe. You know, it's, but it's, you, we want to allow them to speak into our lives, but we don't want to just bottle that information and do nothing. That's the worst we can do. So in that sense, if, if something comes to mind, then we, we, we say, okay, this is the thing I want to deal with. So then like in the area of possessions or something, there might be something that we're going, I need to deal with this specific thing. You know, then rather than trying to say, well, I, I have this, this, and this, you know, take the one and say, I'll deal with this and trust you to speak to me about the next thing that I should do. And that way we take our steps forward and we actually hear the word and become doers of the word as well. Rather than just letting it go or saying, well, man, I really felt, you know, God was stalking and then forget it as soon as we get out the door. That's just not healthy. Okay. So we say, okay, in this moment, speak to our hearts as to what you want to speak to us about today in light of the scripture that we've been looking at. Whether it be our anxieties or how we are accumulating or our worries or the future or it be in the topic of forgiveness, we are grateful that you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And we ask that in this moment, bring to mind something you'd like us to do differently and then Lord give us the courage to step forward and take care of that may your blessing rest on these your people may they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives may they discover with joy the beauty of walking in your spirit I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Pray. We love you and lift you up this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.